Everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to PHLY Flyers presented by Mortgage CS. Check out mortgagecs.com slash PHLY to start your home buying process today. Company NMLS ID number 1464766. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Don't have the same kind of energy as usual after that one. Man, it was that was a uh, no dog mass tonight. Mm. Uh, the Flyers fall. I mean, they, they beat... Most of the Leafs, three to one, but unfortunately, <laughs> uh, Austin Matthews plays for the Scott Leafs. Scott Matthews, man. Joining me tonight uh, is Philadelphia's number one beat reporter, Charlie O'Connor, as well as the one and only JP Zapata. Guys, the uh, Sean Couturier era off to <laughs> a disastrous start. I mean, a, a loss in the first game of the captaincy. Charlie's not going to speak for the rest of the show. He's done. <laughs> Strip the C, I would say. Uh, quite a four-game oh winning streak. You put the C on Coots, and everything falls apart. Now, it was... Strip listen, the C. this was... Uh, Toronto's really good. Their yeah. record does not show it this year. Uh, they're not the regular season powerhouse that they've been in the last few years. Uh, but they come in fourth best power play in the league. Sixth most uh, goals per game. Sixth most shots per game. They score. They dominate offensively, <laughs> and we see what happens with that sort of firepower. I mean, yeah. you played a great first period, basically outworked them for 30 minutes, and the game's 60 minutes long, and you give Austin Matthews enough opportunities. Natty Hattie in the second period, suddenly you're down 3-1 after dominating, you know, three quarters of the first uh, 40 minutes. <laughs> I, I think it's worth noting, though, and and look, the, the story of this game, there's really two stories of this game. Yeah. The one is Austin Matthews. The second is the comeback by the Flyers in the third period. But it's worth noting that, look, Austin Matthews is one of the five best players in the NHL. He might be even better than that. You could certainly make a case. He's going to have at least one or two shifts where he takes over. I thought the biggest issue in this game for the Flyers was he has the one goal and you let that turn into three because they did. It wasn't even that they got, they let off the gas. It was that they just looked shell shocked. It looked for the next, you know, five, six, seven, eight minutes after Matthews got that first goal, the Leafs took control and it just felt like they, they got punched in the mouth and they were just staggered for a bit. And then you give Austin Matthews and the Toronto Maple Leafs that kind of room to take advantage and Austin Matthews when he's on like he was tonight is the kind of player who can turn one goal into three with the snap of the fingers. I think, look, I think he, Austin Matthews was playing at a level tonight where he was going to score one. I think if you would have been tighter and you would have responded quicker, you maybe could have held him at one. He didn't necessarily need to score three straight, but you had that, that one lapse turned into an extended lapse and that was enough to, basically put you in position where you were probably going to lose this game in regulation. We'll talk about the third period comeback in a little bit, but I just feel like that could have been an isolated one-off Austin Matthews just put the team on his back for one shift. Instead, you let it turn into six, seven, eight minutes, and then 
suddenly you're down three to one. I made the joke. I was like, after the second, well, guys, if Austin Matthews doesn't play, we win, we might be winning this game right now. Yeah, no, and that's the thing. Like the uh, we've talked so much this year about the the one of the big differences we've seen between this Flyers team and the ones of years past is they don't have those periods of time where things snowball and get out of hand. You know, we made a big deal about TK's uh, Gordy Howe hat trick in four minutes yeah. of ice time uh, the other night in, in that first period. Matthews scores at 11.06 of the second, scores again at 14.20, scores again at 18.55. Like, it was just one of those, yeah, I, I said with like four minutes left in the period, there's way too much time left to play. Like, we just need to get out of this period. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, there was, and you see what happens there. And listen, that's, it's a great show of why they're rebuilding. Right. It is in pursuit of this, because you can work, you can work your ass off the way this team did for 30 minutes and be beating up on a team with considerably more talent than you. And then they wake up and we know goal scorers are streaky. He got real streaky yeah. <laughs> in about a seven and a half minute period. He scored three goals. Like it was absolutely nothing. And yeah, sometimes you just have to tip your hat. Like oh, you, absolutely. you got yeah. at the end of the day, while this is a bummer, like it's Coots's first game as captain, right. Uh, a bunch of, it's a home. I mean, every time any team goes to Toronto, it's like half the roster's homecoming because the whole league's from Ontario. Exactly. But like it's a homecoming for a bunch of guys. <laughs> it, it, they came out with some jump and it's, uh, and they just really never recovered any sort of like the pendulum swings in a game. You're never going to dominate for 60 minutes unless it's like, you know, some team that just didn't show up at all. They never got the pendulum to swing back until late in the third when they are able to tie the game. Yeah. And that's the other story. That is the other story. And you have to give this team credit. Yes. You know, I'll criticize them for, you know, kind of losing their focus, losing their game for seven, eight minutes in the second period. But you have to give this team credit for its resiliency. You have to note that they could have packed it in in the third. And first half of that third period, I thought Toronto mostly controlled. They looked like they were going to kind of cruise. You got to give the Flyers credit for not packing it and just being like, yeah, you know, not our night. Yeah. Austin Matthews is Austin Matthews. Let's get in the, the headspace ready for the stadium series game that we're all excited about. We get to play outdoors. Instead, they keep digging. Garnet Hathaway, I think Garnet Hathaway is a guy where it shocks me, and I tweeted this out, that going into this game, he only had four goals. He just, he's noticeable every night. He's always doing things. It feels like he should have more points. The fact that he is the guy that comes through with a real greasy goal to get them back in this game. And then, you know, yes, Toronto wins this game. But the fact that Hathaway scores that goal, the Flyers cut the lead to three to two, and then immediately Toronto takes a bad penalty. That's exactly why Toronto fans don't trust this team. Because they could have, you know, the Hathaway goal, same thing. As I said, with Matthews, Matthews scores that one goal. The Flyers could have just said, all right, you know what? Great player is going to do great things once in a while. Let's settle down. Let's 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 hold down the fort. Instead, they they slacked off for a few minutes, and also Matthews turns one goal into three. Same thing happens with Toronto, where that's a one-off goal. A fourth liner scores a goal. It's still 3-2. There is not that much time left. Toronto easily could have just tightened it up and closed it out. Instead, they take a bad penalty. And then as much shit as we give the Flyers power play, they've been banging on the door of a goal for a while on the power play. They had a ton of chances last game, even though they went 0-7. They had an amazing first power play tonight. Morgan Frost looked great. 
They did everything but score. And you kind of got the feeling that if you gave them another power play, they were going to find a way. And to their credit, Travis Connecting and the Flyers find a way. They tie the game. So I'm going to give the Flyers grief for that little lapse in the third because you can't give Austin Matthews that kind of space for that period of time. But I'm also going to give them credit for not packing in and for for taking advantage of Toronto having a lapse of their own late in the third period. How flyers is it the fact that they get back-to-back power play goals to to tie this game up at the end of it? I feel like that's just so flyers for a team that has been struggling with the power play. For them to get back-to-back power play goals at the end of the game was was pretty pretty cool to see. But I'm I'm with you, Bill. Was the Hathaway goal in the no power? No, 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 that was it. It was yeah. right after a power yeah, it was play. Right. It was. Right. Yeah. But um, I'm with you, Bill. I felt very proud of this team because of the way they fought throughout all three periods. But at the end of the day, even though you you, you scratch and you claw it all the way back to tie this game up, you see what the difference is with a team like with a team like Toronto that has Austin Matthews, a Mitch Marner, and such. And so it goes back to realizing why it is that we're going through this process that we are right now. And that is we're still trying to develop. We're still trying to get those young assets so we can potentially have lines like the Toronto Maple Leafs have at the top line. But I, you got to hold your your head up high after this performance here for the, for the Flyers going in as well to the barnyard of Toronto as well. It's a tough place to play. Yeah. I, I think really what it boils down to when we're talking about this idea of the Flyers not having the superstars and the level of Austin Matthews. Number one, it's hard to get those no guys. Like, <laughs> like There are very few teams. There are maybe two or three teams. The Avs, the Oilers, who can make a strong case they have a player better than Austin Matthews. But what it really does for the Flyers the fact that they don't have a guy like that it's not that it makes it impossible for you to be a really good team and for you to win these games the Flyers just took Toronto to overtime they outplay them for the majority of this game what it does in my mind is it just cuts down your margin for error you don't have the same margin for error that a team like Toronto has because in this game for the first 30 minutes of this game the Flyers were the better team by by a not insignificant margin and the thing is, is that Toronto knows on some level they have that margin for error because they have a guy like Matthews who can, over a seven-minute span, score a hat trick. The Flyers, yeah, I guess the, I guess you could argue that Tippett at his best, connecting at his best can do that, but not to the degree and the reliability that an Austin Matthews can. And that's what I mean when I say that the way the Flyers are built right now, they just they don't have the same margin for error that Toronto does. Toronto takes advantage of what they have that the Flyers don't, which is a guy like Austin Matthews. And this gets to the conversation. You wrote an article about it earlier in the week. We talked about it. Like against teams, like against good teams that maybe don't have this upper echelon of talent. Like you said, there's only a few. Yeah. You know, the Flyers played really well against Tampa and Colorado a few weeks ago, and it's like, yeah, they got blown out. Yeah. (laughs) It's like sometimes when you, even if you play really well, you might not win. But the Flyers were going through that little stretch during this four-game winning streak where it's like they played one complete game out of the four. Right. And, okay, maybe they're learning to win a little bit, figuring some things out, and then you see – what happens when you don't play that complete game? Yeah. That's still the the Good truth point. is when you play a team with this sort of high end talent, you need that A plus game to beat them, and they almost did. I mean, they, you 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 go into Toronto and get a point, you come back, you're on a five game point streak. Still, would have been nice to be on a five game winning streak. Win the uh, first game. I wrote this down. It's the Flyers took the ice tonight with a captain for the first time since March seventeenth, twenty twenty two, against yeah. the Nashville yeah, Predators. It was the, G's the, last the Drew thousandth game. Yeah, uh, he was traded two days later. The C has been vacant ever since. It would have been nice, but 
it's now about, like we've said so many times this year, how do they respond? This is a pretty big game. Toronto's in that maybe third in the division, maybe wild card area that you might be competing with uh, if you fall into that wild card Saturday's race. Saturday's game is much bigger. Saturday's game now yeah. against a true division rival. That is coming. The Devils have been better. They've been getting some saves lately. And also, they might be loading up. Like, I've heard Jacob Markstrom, yeah. maybe that's stalled, but they're still talking. I've heard Noah Hannafin as well, kind of a Dougie, uh, Dougie Hamilton replacement there. They're, the Devils, they might not go for it, but they're in position where they can look at this East and go, who's great? Yeah, like why, Are we afraid of the Bruins? I mean, they're good, but like, are they a juggernaut? No. Like, who is that team in the East? There it really isn't one. Yeah, it's Florida's so probably the closest. Yeah, Florida's but, the yeah. closest, and they can be had. Yeah, like, they're absolutely. not... They're not one of those, I think they're going to win the East. Like, that's my bet. But they're not one of those. Oh, no, well, they're not. It's not like, well, LeBron's in the East, so everyone else, eh, we ain't going to try. <laughs> and, and, and you know like, you know how hockey goes. Yeah. Sometimes the best team loses in round all one. The time. And then suddenly it's wide Shit open. Shit happens all the time. Exactly. Uh, so I was, I'm, I'm excited where this is going. It's good to see that they were able to rally at the end. And now just about the response. Come out and beat a Devils team that they're coming but it's still, they're on the outside looking in. Maybe they're more desperate than the Flyers, but the Flyers have had the better season leading up to now. This is, I don't want to say, it's not must win, but I want to see them tighten up the way we didn't because uh, is Jack Hughes, Austin Matthews? Not yet. <laughs> Fucking good though. He's real good. <laughs> it, it's not a must win game, no, yeah. but what it is is that if the Flyers do take two points out of this game, suddenly you've got some serious breathing room. Yeah. And those games in hand, like that the Devils and some other teams in the East have, you got to beat them in those games. Yeah. Like that will be the difference if they start to close the gap. Like, yeah, they're going to have a few more opportunities. But when you go head to head, you get two, they get none. Suddenly the games in, uh, so, games in hand so don't matter. So bet life's going to feel like a playoff game on Saturday night. It's going to be really, really fun, man. Snow in the morning, and too. I'm, I'm glad we're setting up the MetLife conversation because uh, I got to tell you, I am super excited to go, and I'm going thanks to my friends over at Game Time, baby. Uh, buying tickets to your favorite event shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. I used Game Time today to get my tickets to the Stadium Series game. Let's go, uh, me and one of our producers, Chris, are going. We're going to be filming some content. It's going to be a great time. I want everyone to have a great time with me. I want Flyers fans to be the majority there. I mean, probably, because there's only like 12, 14 Devils fans, you know. <laughs> You could have their parade in this room, basically, if they were to win the cup. Uh, but I want to take this place over with Flyers fans. So get on to Game Time. Use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. I am all for shitting on Devils fans. It's the best. Because they don't have an answer. Yeah. Not oh, really. we won these cups. I don't give a shit. You ruined hockey. Congratulations. <laughs> exactly. You're the reason there was a lockout because exactly. everyone stopped watching when and you started. I, and winning. I'll never forget. The, well, I mean, there's a lot of Devils things I'll never forget, but I'll, I remember this past playoff series, the, when they play the Rangers, they open the series at home, and they come out, 
and the crowd's loud. And I'm like, well, you know what? Maybe, you know, maybe I'm giving Devils fans too much shit. Maybe they've really rallied around this team. They packed their stadium for their first playoff game in a while. And then the Rangers score a goal and the crowd goes nuts. It's like, oh, that's why it's full because it's Rangers fans there. Granted, <laughs> it's hard for Flyers fans to talk shit about the Rangers taking over the building. Yeah, but that's when the Flyers yeah, were bad. It was a playoff game. It's way different. <laughs> I'm just getting ahead of the criticism of the two or three Devils fans in existence who might overhear this conversation. <laughs> MetLife's going to be orange and black on Saturday. I coming. really, really freaking uh, hope so. I'm going to be there. Hope to see you all there I, I as work well. To, I work to check my biases now that I am a journalist, a full-time journalist. I will never remove my anti-New Jersey Devils bias. I will hate that team for as long as I am around the sport of hockey. I am... As much, if not more, a Flyers lover, um, Devils hater than I am like a Patriot. Mm. <laughs> Respect. <laughs> I, like those two things are they're pretty close. Uh, so I want to go back and talk a little bit about some of the instances of this game before we move on, because this is going to be a lot of captaincy conversation. Charlie isn't remote, so he can't just be like, oh, bear connection. Got to go. I have him. I here. mean, I still can. He's it's a just captive audience. <laughs> Bryn locked the door. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's not going anywhere. But I want to get back to the first period in which the Flyers dominated. They had a ton of chances. And this is one of those instances like we talked about the second period, you know, Matthews takes over. But this is also one of those, man, if you just had that one guy suddenly dominating the first period, you have a lot more breathing room. Yeah. You know, you get they you bury two or three of those, suddenly it's a different game as well, rather than all right, we got the one and now we we're trying to hold on because they're gonna wake up eventually, you know? And that's just what we see. But the one goal they do score in the first, Travis Sandheim, uh shorthanded. Uh. And it was just a beautiful sequence. Uh, TK almost has his sixth uh, shorty. He hits the post. Puck goes into the corner shortly after. Lawton gets the puck, centers it to Sanheim in front, makes a great move to bury it. And now that is uh, six different guys have shorthanded goals on the season. TK is five, paling three, Walker two, Lawton one, Hathaway one, and Sanheim gets his first. It's incredible what Dude, this team is doing man. shorthanded. Uh, they said they have... They've matched the total shorthanded goals from 2010-11. It's been that long since they've had. Uh, I think this is 13 now. Uh, they've yeah. been absolutely phenomenal on the penalty kill for a lot this year. They did give up a power play goal tonight. They did kill two others and score. Mm -hmm. So yeah, but you, you'll take even. you'll take an even. You go 50 feet, yeah, against a top five power play, you'll take that. Yeah, 100 percent of the time. Uh, so pretty good outing for them. And when I think about this Flyers team. They don't have, like we've said six times already in the show, that elite level talent. And so you're looking for what is it they do at an elite level? What is the thing that makes them able to compete? Uh, you know, work ethic, all that stuff. They are an amazing penalty. They are an oh, yeah. elite penalty yeah. killing team. Second best penalty kill in the league. Second be best short By net rating, number one. Yeah, well, if you add in the, the short end of goals, to be sure. Add all that fun math that they do on that. There you go. Uh, but they <laughs> outstanding penalty kill. And yeah. like, is that... Is that enough of an identity for this team to like maybe take into the playoffs and do something like, is that one thing enough of an advantage to upset someone in the first round? You think? I think some of the characteristics you do see in the power play kill, the work ethic and that the hard work, that type of stuff. I think that could be something that can, they could build off of in, in a playoff series, especially if you're going to go up against a team, like you mentioned, that may have a little more talent that may be able to help them. But like even like watching like the PK unit, the first unit here tonight, like watching Lots and TK, you just stifle defensemen at the blue line and creating turnovers 
I, that's a lot of fun to watch. And I think that that's something that they could definitely convert over into a playoff series. I, I think the, the shorthanded element, it's not something that you can depend upon to right. carry you through a playoff series, but it's certainly something that can swing a tight playoff series where if you start getting into game five, game six, game seven, it's not something where you expect it to carry you. But if the two teams are pretty even, that could put you over the top. It could be an X factor. Yeah. It could be if this goes seven, like in one of those games we steal because of what you're able to do on the penalty kill. Exactly. Maybe create a little offense on one. Uh, that's, I was, what is it? Uh, Lawton and TK both have six shorthanded yeah. points. Uh, they're tied with a few guys for second in the league. Like this is, this is, a, it's an elite unit. They don't do many things in elite level. This team, that is one of them, uh, the second period, is it just as simple as there were seven and a half minutes in which Austin Matthews took over? Like, is that That's just really the story? Was. Yeah, well, I, I think it goes back to what I was saying, though, yeah. was that it's not even just that they let Austin Matthews take over or that Austin Matthews just took over. It was that they they got shell-shocked. Because, like, you, the, the shift right after the first Matthews goal, they spent the entire shift, Toronto did, the entire shift in the Flyers' end. Then they draw a penalty. Then they score on the power play. This wasn't a case of Matthews scored, and then they just waited a few more shifts until Matthews got back on the ice, and then he scored again. Toronto took that goal and built on it. And to me, the Flyers, if they wanted to hold that lead, obviously, or I guess it was tied 1-1, if they wanted to keep this game from snowballing out of control, they needed to have a stopper shift right away. And they just didn't get it. They didn't get it for eight minutes. They finally had that good shift right at the end of the second period where they almost scored. I think it was Konechny who almost scored on a chance uh, right around the net. But it took nearly a half a period for them to get that response shift. It's just against most teams, you can probably afford to to have 10 minutes where you're just not quite at your best but against a team like toronto that has a guy like austin matthews you can't necessarily afford it if he's flying as well as he was and he was just pure austin matthews tonight who pissed off austin matthews before that sequence <laughs> no, man. he was he, he was pissed. i mean when you look at the numbers it's also like yeah goals 42 43 44 on the season like uh that's yeah, 44, 45, 43, 44, 40. That's absolutely freaking insane for this point in the year. He is goal, his goal scoring is just on another level. He is an absolutely elite talent, but it is not just that, like Charlie said, the inability to swing momentum back, even for just a couple of shifts and kind of not give Toronto that, like, you know, they're looking scorerish, kind of. You, you can almost feel these things coming when uh, I even said at one point, uh, Toronto gets a scoring chance and JJ. They didn't score, but JJ goes into his inevitable tone, like, and they get it back yeah. to him, and he shoots, and they get a save or got You're blocked or something. A goal. But like, yeah. you, it's just one of the beauties of JJ having him so long. Yeah. We know, and he captures it so well, and that's how you're feeling because of the way the team's playing. It's like. They're getting one soon, and right. they and, did. And they did. I, I want to point something out too because I'm seeing this pop up in our comment section on the show. I, I mean. The idea that this game showed that Sam Harrison is exposed, it seems like a dramatic so a overreaction to me. Like we're talking about a guy who since the break had a 931 save percentage was stellar in the first two games coming out of the break uh, against Florida, against Winnipeg, when the Flyers for much longer stretches than this seven, eight minute stretch tonight, were just straight up getting boat raced by the other team. He held them in this game. I do not think that we should be talking about 
Sam Harrison I... being exposed because the best goaler in ho- best goal scorer in hockey right now scored three goals against him. Like let's this goes back to what I said when Sam Harrison essentially took over the net after the news on Carter Hart came out. Let's please not turn on this guy the first chance we have because he he has like one just decent game. Harrison's fine. Don't same worry thing about as it. Same thing as a C, Charlie. It's the same thing as a C. We're always just looking this to blame was, someone. This was Matthew's fifth hat trick of the season. <laughs> he's real good, guys. Like he's done. By the, the way, actually, it might have been me because when they were saying he started the year this uh, with two hat tricks and he's got four on the C, I was like, well, he had two in the first two games. He's only got two since then. So this. It, Actually, this game might be on me. It's actually on you. Uh, I I actually, I did make that comment. But legitimately, Charlie, like maybe the second and third goals, you can think like, all right, maybe Er Ayers could have done, maybe on the second one, he could have slid up over a little bit quicker. It's Austin Matthews. Yeah. Yeah, you you hope. But also, number one, it's not like this has been a stretch of poor play from Ayerson. Ayerson leading up to this has been real, real good. Secondly, it's Austin friggin' Matthews. Like, come on. It's Austin Matthews. Yeah. He's going to score his goals. Do you hope that, that your goalie can stop him? Sure. But it's still, it's like when uh, when Nathan McKinnon's scoring goals. Like, yeah, you're hoping your goalie can get a stop on Nathan McKinnon on a breakaway, but you have to account for the fact that it's Nathan friggin' McKinnon. <laughs> no, it's like... You're kind of just hoping he hits him with the puck. Yeah. <laughs> Most saves are just the goalie getting hit, yeah. you know, and positioning and all that. I understand. But like, yeah, it's. I don't think Ayrson. Oh, I, we gave up a home run to Mark McGuire. Yeah. Yeah. Pitcher, pitcher sucks. <laughs> yeah. Pull him. Like, and, and what do you do? I'm not saying Ayrson was great tonight. He was not. No. He probably could have gotten a couple more saves. Maybe you'd like to see him make that save in overtime. But one can say. Hey, I wish Sam Harrison would have played a little bit better tonight. We might have gotten that win without saying Sam Harrison has been exposed. It's low glove. That's his weakness. Like, let's let's maybe, not overreact like, to this. This maybe that's his weakness. Also, um, tonight does not prove that exactly. Like, exactly. if he could have hit him in the chest with some of those shots, and it might have gone through. Him. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I just. I, you know, it's, that's, that's how we evaluate goalies. This so. is not yep. the one puck to goes kill in, him, guys. Exactly. Puck goes in goalie bad. Puck doesn't go in goalie great. And, and even, like that's how and we, even Saturday's game, like, obviously the Flyers, this is a big game. You want to see them beat the Devils. Right. However, these games outside are weird. They're yeah, weird with sure. sight lines. lines they're, weird, they're weird with the elements. They're weird with the ice. You know, you, there's slush everywhere. Oh the God. pucks bounce weird. So all I'm saying is let's evaluate Arison at the end of this. Let's not do this swing where when he has a great game, it's, oh, he's the guy, number one. He What a great contract. He's awesome. And then when he has a game like this, it's, he's exposed. He's not that good. We should trade for somebody at the deadline. Like, let's just try to stay as much of an even keel as we possibly can when it comes to evaluating this new number one goalie the Flyers are trying out. You're asked for too much, Charlie. <laughs> now, uh, I want to get to the, the in the third period, uh, as Charlie mentioned, Garnett Hathaway makes it 3-2 with uh, like a little less than six minutes left. And then TK ties it on the power play, his 26th of the year, a uh, another two-point night for Travis Konechny. It, it's, if they win this game, uh, maybe we like start with TK because he has just been 
right back. You know, before the All-Star break, we're like, ah, he's looking a little banged up. He's just not looking like himself. I mean, TK was one of those dudes who was looking dangerous all night tonight. I thought there, especially in the first, there was a few guys who were really skating. Owen Tippett, Morgan Frost, Travis Sanheim, all looked dangerous in the first period. I thought TK kept it up throughout. Finally gets one in the the third. It's the game-tying goal. He is... uh, I know I've gone back and forth 20 times this season on trading him. I am, I'd love Travis connecting. He's just so much fun to watch. Like who else would score that goal tonight, but him for this team, he is the heartbeat of this team. I think it was the first period. Uh, he goes down in front of the net, trying to shoot and he's laying on the ice, trying to yeah. whack the puck yeah. uh, through Samson off's legs. And it's like surrounded. He's surrounded by Leafs and he's talking shit and taking the wax at the puck. He is just such a freaking flyer. And you, you understand why they put a letter on him. I, I do not think that the flyers are going to trade Travis. Connecting. I do not believe now that you can, you can make the case. You can argue that they should do it. You can argue whatever you want. They're not gone. But the reality of the situation <laughs> is if the flyers are comfortable enough with their locker room and with the direction of their team to basically renege on the promise to not name a captain this year, if they are that happy with how this is going, I do not think they are going to trade one of the rising team leaders and the best player on the team. I just, you can argue the merits of it. I just don't think it's going to happen. And I think this whole captaincy thing, which we're going to get into in a few minutes, (laughs) it's a tell that they are real happy with how this is going. And while I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility they trade Scott Lawton, I do not see a scenario at this point where unless Travis Konechny is like, pay me $11 million or I walk, I do not envision a scenario where they trade Travis Konechny. I think he's going to be here to stay for quite a while. He's a flyer. He's a freaking flyer. He's not going anywhere. And again, tonight you see why it is you love Travis Konechny from helping on the PK to even almost was bringing up Giordano. They're going at it when this at center ice. That was yeah, a lot of fun. Chirping too. Giordano <laughs> when he got called. And I was like, he's, that was the best part he, of the night. He doesn't care about senior. He doesn't no, care about these oldest, the oldest guy in the league. He's like, ah, screw you, dude. Who I, are you? I feel like, who senior, are you? I feel like senior citizens should be allowed to die. <laughs> like, you know, like he's the oldest man. Like, you know, he's, he's, it's a miracle. Uh, 32 years old, a miracle. Like he's like 40. Uh, before we get to the captain talk, I know that's why, uh, why you are all here. I want to get to, I guess, just a couple of things that happened in the game. Um, we'll lead it with the Cam York situation. He, Mm. uh, tries to play a puck along the boards. It's in his feet a little, he looks down, gets absolutely rocked. Uh, Deloria comes over. We'll talk about that part in a minute, but, has anyone has there been any updates on York? I mean, obviously uh, you're here. Yeah, I, yeah Bill. I like, just mean, obviously, I'm not I, at the game. <laughs> in the five minutes, I mean, the five minutes between We're you know going to the game Cone right now, <laughs> the game ending. Maybe you looked at Twitter. You're always good multitasking. I can't do anything but talk. But you're good at looking at things. So maybe you did. I have I'm not. Just asking. I have not seen any updates okay. on Cam York. What I can say is that obviously he missed the rest of the third period. Yeah. The other concern coming out of this game is Sean Couturier. Is, yeah. He took that weird slash. I don't know if it was on the knee or if it was right below the knee. It was in a weird, right above the knee. It was in a weird spot. He did get another shift. He got the the ensuing power play right after that. Played, I think it was like a minute 30 second shift. It was a long one. But then he didn't see the ice the rest of the game. I guess we'll see about York and Katuri. It would really hurt if one or both of those guys isn't available for Saturday. Especially for Katuri because he just got the C. You'd hate to see him get injured. 
right after he gets that honor. That would suck. The Katuri one looked to me more of like a stinger than something serious. The York one, you're worried about a concussion. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, he got... That was... um, Shades of Darcy Tucker, <laughs> Sammy Kapanen. <laughs> like he got absolutely leveled. It yeah. was clean. Uh, head was down. Yeah. You know, to to quote to quote Tree from uh, from Mystery Alaska. Head was down. Head- <laughs> uh, but I want to get to the Delorier end of this. It's not a major talking point, but it's always interesting. I love hits discourse. You know this. So we have them. Um, yeah, Delorier's out there. Something happens. It's a clean hit. Charlie, how do you feel about the having to fight after clean hits thing? I don't love it. However, if if a hit happens and Nick Delorier is on the ice and it's a hit on a younger player, like if he doesn't fight that guy, what the hell is he there for? Right. Yes, that's it's why he's collecting his check. And I also think like hockey's really fast. You know, we watch these things on replay yeah, several I times. Agree. And when we like, oh, the dirty hit, and then we see it from another angle. Actually, no, it wasn't. You know, we see these things all. Yeah. He doesn't have time to re- like. Job to punch. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know? And, and, and Benoit very clearly did not want to get oh, That was I the mean, best part dude. about it. <laughs> Fighters don't want to fight Delorier. He yeah, hasn't right. been able to find a dance partner outside of Pat Maroon all year, and Pat Maroon hasn't been that excited to do it. It's just like, well, if I don't do it, what am I getting paid for? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. You know, so I, it's, it's just one of those situations I... I'm always torn because I want to see big hits, and if the price for a decent player hitting, you know, someone is having to then fight... Like, a guy who's only out there to fight, it's like, well, then I'm not going to hit. Yeah, I, yeah. I have to now go sit for five minutes because I hit someone clean. I, but, one, I love the fights, and two, guys want their teammates sticking up for them. I think the bigger critique of this is less about should Benoit have to fight after a clean hit and more about if Nick Delorier is that menacing and intimidating, why did Cam York get injured with him on the ice in the first place? <laughs> well, that's that's always the conversation. <laughs> I held back from tweeting it uh, because I was just, it was more like, oh, shit, Cam York's hurt. Yeah. Then I was yeah. just wanting to make a sarcastic comment, but like, oh, that's a turn factor. I guess he, he didn't pull out a gun and shoot him. So like, he, he, uh, I'm actually very sorry that I made that comment Uh I was not, that was an off the cuff comment. I don't want to make light of gun violence, especially in light of yesterday. That's my bad. Uh, I think you all know I don't want to do that. That's, <laughs> that's, uh, I'm sorry about doing that in light of everything that happened in KC yesterday. Uh, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I guess he didn't cross check him in the head like Morgan Riley. So yeah. that's the deterrent factor. Yeah. So he just like, punched him a few yeah, times. There's no, there's and no. Then, and, and then Benoit turtles because he's th- like, okay. I'm not getting I, killed yeah. over a clean hit. Yeah. I dealt with, I did what I had to do. I answered the bell, but also I'm not going to be your punching bag for the next 30 seconds. Yes. No, there's absolutely no reason for him to get the shit kicked out. Of him. <laughs> <laughs> for no, like, and it's, I guess the. Yeah, he just has to do it. That's his job, and that's that. All right, let's talk for a second about Philly sports trips. We're taking over Clearwater. P-H-L-Y and Philly sports trips are off to spring training to hang with the Phillies. Uh, This thing, it's an all-inclusive. The hotel is not all-inclusive. The trip itself, it's kind of an all-inclusive sort of situation from uh, perks like getting to hang out with Charlie Manuel uh, and also – uh, the entire experience taking care of flights, hotels, game tickets, transportation, everything you could want. 
And I have long, I've been to spring training a couple times. One thing I haven't got to do, though, is go down over St. Patty's Day. Go down for St. Patrick's Day. This trip, this trip is March 13th to the 18th. So you're going to get to be down there for the madness that is St. Patty's. And PHLY Philly Sports Trips have your back for that because you're going to get to party on a private yacht with a catered dinner and uh, drinks as well. This thing is going to be absolutely freaking awesome. So head to uh, head to allphly.com slash events to learn more and book your trip March 13th to the 18th Philly Sports Trips and PHLY. All right, Charlie. Uh, all right, all right, let's do your three stars. Uh, Are we doing the three stars now? Yeah, right, let's do that, right. and then we'll get to the other stuff. It is time for Charlie O'Connor's three stars of the game, leading off with star number three. All right, uh, star number three, I will go with Garnet Hathaway. Oh, I thought he had a really impactful game. He, he's noticeable pretty much every night, but uh, I believe it was, um, I think it was... Uh, JJ said that he had eight hits in this one. That matches the eye test. He was kind of everywhere. It was nice to see him get rewarded with the goal. He doesn't have as many goals. I feel like he probably deserves this year. But really, he's the guy who sparks this comeback because Toronto was playing pretty well in the third period. It's not like they were they were you know giving the Flyers a lot. If you were going to score and turn this into a one goal game, you were going to probably need to score a goal like Garnet Hathaway did. Just a greasy goal in close, you know, getting a bounce, working hard, and that's what Hathaway did. And suddenly Toronto started getting in their heads a little bit. You could tell they were a little panicky thinking, "Oh god, are we going to blow this?" Then they take a bad penalty, then the Flyers tie the game. That doesn't happen if Garnet Hathaway isn't being Garnet Hathaway this whole game, and then gets the big goal that puts the Flyers right back in it. So I'm giving Garden Hathaway my third star as a result of that. Are we at 200 hits yet with Hathaway? He's got to be close. Are we getting closer? Uh, maybe after the audit, he gets like another eight tonight. They double <laughs> it. Uh, no, it's, it was funny to hear um, Torts the other day talk about Hathaway and like expected a little more offense. But yeah, he's been like yeah. his comments about him were interesting because I felt the same way. And then I looked up his numbers. It's like, yeah, because he beats the flyer. Like yeah. he, he had like extraordinary numbers against the flyers versus everyone else. That's why I expected more offense. But he has had an interesting season and I think he could be a uh, maybe one of those playoff X factors, a guy mm. who pops a little bit more once they get to the postseason. Hopefully we see that this year. Charlie, star number two. Star number two, Travis Konechny. Look, he is the spark plug of this team. He is the energy guy. There's a reason why he got the A yesterday. He just is the Flyers' best player, and he's the guy who brings people into the fight. Today, he gets he almost scores on that uh, on that shorthanded goal right before uh, right before Travis Sanheim is the one who actually puts it in. Uh, I believe he picked up an assist uh, on that play. Yeah, he picked up yep. a secondary on that play. Then he scores the big game tying goal, comes through in a huge moment, gets the Flyers a much needed point with that play. He was noticeable all game which we're just getting used to. He now has nine points in the five games since the uh, since the break. He's been everywhere. He looks refreshed. He looks exactly like the guy who really from game one of the season has been impactful, not on the nightly basis, but has been their best player. Travis Konechny, second star. Now, this is, I mean, whew, hotly anticipated. I have no idea how Charlie could possibly choose a first star of this game. Well, Charlie goes Who do you got him. at number one? Yeah, it's Austin Matthews. <laughs> a- AM 34. <laughs> he could have been all, all three. All the goals. <laughs> the, look, Toronto, I don't think it was just him. Marner had a pretty good yeah. game, too. He did a lot of things. Nylander obviously scores the game winner. 
Toronto doesn't even come close to winning this game if Austin Matthews is on their team. He is the reason, more than anything else, by a lot, that Toronto beat the Flyers tonight. They had Austin Matthews, the Flyers didn't, and that's why Toronto won this game. It's uh, It hasn't been a recurring theme, but when the Flyers have lost to these sorts of teams, that's what stands out. Yeah. Like, this is, oh, yeah, well, they have that guy. And tonight... Toronto had that guy. Those are Charlie O'Connor's three stars. And now it's time for the reason everyone's here. Captaincy talk. Uh, so yesterday at like 930, what, what time was it when they actually? I don't even remember. It was, it was like, like 8, 8, o'clock. O'clock. 8 o'clock. on Valentine's That was Day. wild. What hell, like bro? what? Why? Why announce it on Valentine's Day night? On a weeknight, like there wasn't a game. So you it know was, what they were doing weird yesterday. announcement time. <laughs> That's what made me think like. Okay, there's another shoe about to drop. Like, they're doing this because to, uh, sh- uh, Scott Lawton's going to be playing in Toronto tomorrow. Not for us. Like, that was my immediate guess, was something like that was going to happen. Uh, I, just, I think it's just that Torts likes to fuck with people. Uh, the, honestly, <laughs> it was Valentine's Day night, and he was like, oh, I'm going to wake up all the journalists. <laughs> That's basically, yep. Yep. oh, you're oh, on you're- a date, and no, you're not. <laughs> Start writing, Chuck. So dumb. <laughs> That's, he was fucking with you. He saw you weren't on the trip, Charlie. Yep. And so he was like, I know what I'm going to do. Yep. Uh, no, it was, so Coots oh, is named man. the 20th captain in team history. They have obviously been without a captain since they traded Claude Giroux uh, back in 2022. What do you make of, like, it, it, is it as simple as he likes to fuck with people? Like, they have, <laughs> they have basically, they basically vowed there ain't going to be a captain. Uh, it was, they went through all last season. They get through, what, two thirds of this season and finally just go, all right, it's Coots. Like, w- what do you make of the, just timing, first of all. They, he has to be fucking with us because I feel like a lot of us knew it was either Coots or TK. And for him to announce it on Valentine's Day at like 8 o'clock at night, I mean, that's just so ironic. I think if there's something that I had to point to as to why it happened now, I go back to what happened last week. Because one thing that John Tortorella made very clear, and I put this in my my column for diehards only at allphly.com, Please subscribe if you want to read the full column. But I put this in my article that I released today. One thing John Tortorella made very clear at the start of the year, number one, was that he's not going to name a captain. But number two, (laughs) that he didn't feel like the room was ready to take charge on its own. He felt Mm. like the coaching staff still needed to kind of hold the guy's hands, you know, and if there was a bad game, they needed the coaching staff to come in and rip them and point out all the mistakes they made and, and make it clear you know, that they needed to be better. But John Turrell said on multiple occasions that I wanted to get to the point where I don't have to do that. We don't have to do that. That the guys just know. They know when they played poorly. They know when certain guys made a mistake and the room can police itself. Well, one thing that I found really fascinating was that Winnipeg game last week. So they go out, they kick ass in the first period, final 40 minutes, they play like crap, they hang on. John Tortorella gives one of his vintage short press conferences where he doesn't give the media anything because he's clearly very angry with the way the team played. I expected he was going to go in to the room and rip everybody and make it clear that that was unacceptable. We might have gotten the win, but you just didn't play well, and this is not going to get the job done. Talk to John Tortorella the next day, and John Tortorella basically said, I didn't say a word to him. Because I trust this room. I think that they will respond the way they should. I don't feel like I need to tell them that. And I asked, hey, 
is it a risk that they maybe don't respond that way? And John Tortorella, I, I quoted him in this piece, basically said, you have to give them opportunities. You have to give them opportunities to show that they can do it on their own. We're not going to be holding their hands forever. So what do the Flyers go out and do? They go out and play a really good game against Seattle. They didn't carry over the poor 40 minutes. They basically turned that first period and played it for the entirety of the game. They outshoot the other the crack in 38 to 19. Control that game pretty much from start to finish, regardless of the fact that the score was close. Flyers are the better team pretty much throughout that game. I kind of wonder if that was the final test. If that was John Tortorella giving the team one last test to see if they are ready to have a formal leadership group, because now he feels confident that he doesn't have to hold their hand anymore. And now that he doesn't have to hold their hand anymore, now he can give somebody the C because now he believes he can trust the room to police itself at least a lot more than he could certainly last season and also the beginning of this season. I wonder if that Winnipeg game and the response to the Winnipeg game was a little bit of a turning point for John Tortorella in thinking, you know what? It's time. Let's do it now. It's a really good point. Like I, I just look at the demeanor of this team in 23, 24. It's so much different from even like two seasons ago when they were going on those multiple 10 game losing streaks, because when they would get down in those seasons, you knew like, all right, it, it's over. It's done. But now if they go down, you're like, okay, they, they will fight back. You know that they're going to fight back. There was a couple instances throughout the year where they were just gassed, but overall, they fought in every single game, and I think that's a really good point that I think not a lot of fans probably knew. A lot of fans are probably, you know, like us thinking like, yeah, Torch is just fucking with us. But no, they, they, it, this is the professionals. You got to be able to call yourself. You got to be able to know when you need, need to keep yourself in check. So I thought that was a really good point there. And the, the Tortorella thing is always we've said about him, well, he's got a short shelf life because you can only yell and scream at the guys so long before they're just like, shut the fuck up but he really doesn't no exactly <laughs> him being able to pick his spots yeah. increases his potential shelf life yeah. and i think that's important and now uh, the other part of this i know yeah i'm very simple-minded charlie i think you're not a plus b equals c you do not think you will not allow things i to, don't think that's that's actually no right. like one thing happens one, one plus one equals two no, like, <laughs> i don't think you can add letters <laughs> What I'm saying is my thought is like, all right, they made Sean Couturier the captain. That means they're trading Scott. Lowe. Oh, yeah, yeah. And like there's I know you're not going to draw those conclusions because you're going to look at the bigger picture. But I will say your explanation here and how maybe that Winnipeg game and all that the response past that is the turning point. Those comments sound very similar to when you asked John Tortorella straight up about the potential impact of trading scott lawton like like we said on the show it's the, you weren't even speaking in hypotheticals like if a leader were to be subtracted like you named scott lawton yeah. in the question yeah. and it's like we can't be worried about that if if that's going to happen then the leadership group ain't strong enough anyway basically yeah. do you think the possibility of a leader like scott lawton being subtracted like that could have an effect on the room so we're going to give the leaders some autonomy to kind of hold this thing together themselves. Look, I'm not going to say that Scott Lawton is definitely going to be traded. I don't think the Flyers know if Scott Lawton is definitely going to be traded because a lot of it's going to depend on what offers they get. And he's been so good lately. But I do think there might be something to that in that before yesterday, there was only one guy on the team with a letter. And if you didn't formalize a leadership group and then you up and trade Scott Lawton in two, three weeks, suddenly... 
the team maybe doesn't really know how to respond now that you formalize it. And Scott Lawton still has an A. It's not like they yeah, stripped they didn't the take A it off him. from Scott Lawton. They added a C to Couturier. They added an A to Travis Konechny. But now that you formalize a leadership group, you have somebody with a C, and it's not Scott Lawton. <laughs> it does make it so... I think losing Scott Lawton, if, if he gets traded, it's going to hit this room hard regardless. But at least now, if he is moved... Everybody has one guy who they know to look to in Couturier. Maybe that would happen anyway. Maybe Couturier was already that guy just from an, in an informal way. But now that it's formalized, I do think that it's, it's just less of a story that, oh, the Flyers only have one guy with a letter and now he's gone. Who's the leader now? Then you have to slap something on somebody just to have somebody to talk to the officials. Now it's that, oh, you traded Scott Lawton. Yeah, he's a team leader, but he's not the team leader. The team leader is Sean Couturier. I, so I, yeah, I, th- yeah, maybe. Maybe it's part of it. The one positive from this news, I don't know if you guys saw it, but I loved seeing the throwbacks from, like, I think it was like the, the Winter Classic. Um, seeing Coots living with Danny Briere as a rookie, that was some good it's throwback. It's really vibes. wild the way, like, if you've been on this train for Sean Couturier's career, yeah. this, I mean, he lived with the general manager when he was a 19-year-old rookie, and now circle, he's the captain of the team. Like, it, the whole thing is freaking insane. It's, I'm just, I'm really happy for the guy. Yeah, but, I am too. Um, like, just... I, I don't know him, Charlie. You've been around him a long time. I just like having seen his career beginning to end. My first season covering, I was writing bullshit blogs for um, Bleacher Report, but it was 2010 11. Uh, and then, you know, that summer happens and that's when they draft Sean Couturier. Like, I've been doing this his whole career and it's just really cool. Uh, but the choice. I don't know if it's it's not coming out of left field. He no. was like you said, one of the two real candidates. Honestly, um, do you think the choice is more like it's him? He's the unquestioned captain of this team, or it's more about the uncertainty of TK? Because just a few minutes ago, we were saying TK is the straw that stirs the drink for this team on the ice. He's the best player. We assume they're going to resign him because like all the insiders are basically like. Oh, no, they're negotiating so that on July 1st, they announce the contract extent. Like, that's what it sounds like. Now, negotiations could always hit a snag. Sure. These things are not definite. He might go, yeah, if I hit the market in a year, I could make like 10. So <laughs> the cap's going up again. I might yeah. get 10 and a half. Like, so maybe, yeah, you never know. Uh, there's a whole year before his contract expires, though. Do you think it's more to do with the uncertainty of TK? Or it's like, no, this is definitely, this is definitely Coots' room. I would I would say I definitely think it is it's because of who Coots was as a player on and off the ice. I think TK, I think he's like a really good leader with his play on the ice, but I feel like when I watch Coots, his leadership on the off on and off the ice is something that you can definitely notice. I th- Charlie, I think you can uh, speak better of it cuz you've been around the team, but mm-hmm. that's just for me sitting here what I see is that Coots more of a leader on and off the ice. Yeah, I kind of equate it to the the way Boston has seen their their leadership group progress where i mean obviously chara was the captain for years mm-hmm. then bergeron's the captain now bergeron's retired now marchand's the captain if you look at it being like bergeron to couturier marchand to connectney one story that i cite in my uh, in my piece uh, that came out today at allphly.com was when i covered the games uh, the game in in arizona earlier this year 
And Sean Gaturi, we interviewed him after the game. Travis Konechny, I think, had like two goals. He had one of his big games of the year. And Sean Gaturi said, you know, the one thing that I really notice about TK now versus where he was three, four years ago is he's just so much more mature as a player and a person. And we got to interview Gaturi before TK. So I asked TK, you know, Sean Gaturi just talked about your maturity. You know, what is that? How does that make you feel when you hear a guy you've played with for that long or you respect say that about you? And Konechny laughed and he's like, yeah, I guess I'm more mature, but I still, I still, after I have a particularly crazy shift, I look down the bench and Katuri gives me that look. And I know, I, I know that, I, that I've gone a little bit too far. <laughs> like, it, we always talk like, oh yeah, the Flyers power play looked better. It's like, well, like I, the first period power play they had, I was like, that's one of the best ones of the year. And they don't score. They had a few chances. Like, yeah. When the bar is that low, like, Connect me being more mature yes. does not mean he's mature. But my, my point <laughs> no, is, yes, my yes. point is, is that TK's, uh, TK TK has matured. He's yes. definitely developing into more of a leader. But if by his own admission, he looks he's to, still looking over yeah. a dad, looking for that approval. I don't think you can justify to the room that TK is the captain when even TK, by his own admission, <laughs> is still deferring to dad. And uh, I just like I think a lot of times. <laughs> Like we look at different styles of captains and it was like, well, Mike Richards is out there running like he's nuts. You know, they called him cannon, like the type of player he is and the type of personality he has, you think maybe lends itself more. And like Drew, I mean, Drew's a bad captain because they lost, you know, <laughs> but like he's more of the quiet type and people think that's a different sort of lead and maybe not the, you know, grab you by the face mask, like Tom Brady kind of leader. Yeah, yeah. Like I just... You look at the two styles of play, and I think outsiders might look at TK as more of like the on-ice leader. But in terms of overall, I mean, we're all speculating. No one really knows what goes on in the room. But the anecdote Charlie just tells us is like, yeah, even that guy who's that guy for this team looks at Coots and is like, yeah, what? I know. I'm sorry. I got to chill. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. <laughs> you're right, Dad. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And and maybe at some point down the road and. Kateri signed until 2029, 20, 2030. So it's going to be quite a while, yeah. hopefully, as long as he continues to play and doesn't have injury problems. But maybe at some point down the road, that baton will be passed to Travis Konechny the same way that Bergeron passed it to Marchant eventually. But I think right now, it wouldn't have been the proper understanding of the dynamics of the room to give the C to Konechny just because Konechny scores more points than Ben Couturier and because Konechny is probably more talented than Couturier at this stage and because Konechny is probably going to make more money than Couturier at this stage. I think it showed an understanding of the, the dynamics of the room for them to give it to Couturier over Konechny, even if Konechny would have been maybe the more fun choice. You just brought up an interesting idea because I didn't think about the money. Now this is a this is an apples to oranges comparison because uh, G was both the best player and the captain. Right. But G kind of signs that contract, and it's like ain't no one making more than that guy. Uh, you always have that benchmark. Sean Couturier right now is the highest paid player. On yeah, Connecty's going to get more than Couturier. You don't think that's maybe some sort of negotiating the, ploy? I mean, maybe, but it's it ain't going <laughs> to work. <laughs> just th just something that popped in my mind uh, when you mentioned it. Uh, do we have any more on this? I thought there was something else I wanted to say, and I don't remember. I, I think just from my perspective, and this will again be more of a plea, mm -hmm. the same way I I. I beg you not to turn on Sam Harrison just because he's now the number one. 
the thing with the captaincy is that while it is important and while the players, it means a lot to the players. I'm sure this is a really, really important last few days for Sean Gattari. It feels like the culmination of his career. I'm sure he's very proud of it. The other players are really happy for Sean Gattari. I watch and I remember what happened to Claude Giroux. And my view of the captaincy and why I get frustrated with it and why I people rag on me about it, why I make jokes about it is, and this really, this is really what it boils down to. The captaincy in my mind allows for such lazy analysis yeah. of the hockey team because, and I put this in my comp, it is significantly harder for both a media member and a fan for that matter to actually take stock of a game and analyze the reasons for a loss or the reasons why a team is struggling or the reasons why a playoff series is lost. It's significantly harder to do that with tape and stats and, and reporting. It's much easier to just say, well, it's the captain's fault. They because, wanted it more. Because the captain, if he would have done more, if the captain would have willed this team, then the team would have won. And because they lost, that is proof that the captain did a bad job. I think it is lazy analysis, and I think it is incorrect analysis the vast majority of the time. That's what I would get frustrated about when it came to Claude Giroux. Because I think that if you're blaming every loss on the captain, if you're blaming every season that doesn't end in a cup on the captain, I think it's lazy analysis, and that's what I hate about it. It's not that the captaincy isn't important. Couturier having the C, it's it's an honor for him. The players will undoubtedly look at him just a little bit differently now that he's got that C on his chest. But the idea that now every time the Flyers do something or don't do something that makes you angry as a fan, like don't blame it all on Couturier just because he has the C now. It hasn't changed that much. He's still the same guy. It's just like too many people turn the captain into the target of their ire when they're angry and they're looking for someone to blame. And that's the part of the captaincy in hockey that will always rub me the wrong way because I think it's utterly ridiculous and also extremely lazy. It's so weird because like in most sports, the, like the fans are always like uh, fire the coach, fire the GM. Maybe like even in football, like we have captains in soccer, you have a captain. It doesn't have the same mystique as it does in hockey. I like I don't. Why is that though? Like I don't. It's just been like because like football, they did it recently. Like it's just true. always, and it's been such a like you, a, a Bobby Clark, a Mark yeah. Messier. Yeah. Like those guys were so great. It's like well, they did it because like no, they did it because they're awesome. <laughs> I just named two of the fucking best players of all time, you know, yeah. like, and I, I, that's always kind of been a contention of mine. I go back and forth on what kind of guy I want to wear the C. I understand putting it on your best player. Cause I've always thought like, okay, now he gets to be the one talking to the refs and he gets to build a relationship with the refs and maybe then they'll give him the superstar calls. Also a decade of Claude Giroux as captain showed me that that doesn't happen. Uh, so True. I've kind of always thought it's best to put it on a Jason Smith type. And I don't think Couturier is a Jason Smith. No. Like he was at the end of his career. It was one, but like more of just the veteran leader. And it takes that sort of pressure off the best player. Like yeah. Travis Konechny doesn't have to worry about being the best leader. He can just go out and do stupid Travis Konechny shit and yeah. then score a goal. Exactly. Because he doesn't have to worry about the weight of the sea. And yeah. I think like this is kind of yeah. like, it's good that when Mitchkov gets here in all likelihood, it's not going well. When's he getting the C? You know when he's getting the C? Five or six years from now, maybe when Sean Couturier retires. Yeah. Like I think that's yeah. a, a weight that a you point. then don't have to put on them, uh, and that's good. And that the thing I wanted to say that I forgot and I now remember, 
I always kind of hope, and it's we're running out of dudes, someone with a little bit of a connection to Mr. Snyder and past eras, and he played a little with Pronger. He played with G. Mr. Snyder was still alive for the beginning of his career and like still kind of around yeah. at points. Yeah. Uh, we're running out of dudes who can kind of carry that legacy. And when we're talking about this new era of orange, restoring the flyers and everything, this is part of it. There is something to be said about it being a bridge. Yeah. And I think there's also something to be said, which was a theory. And it, I don't think it was, it was this simple. Cause I think Sean Couturier still had to prove himself to John Tortorella. The yeah. room had to improve the way it has this year for Tortorella to believe that someone deserved to wear a C in the first place. But there's something to be said about the fact that Tortorella did not give anyone the captaincy last year during the year when Sean Couturier couldn't play. And now, yeah, and he comes back. It's like, all right, you're good. Like, he got banged up tonight. Hopefully he's all right. When you look at it again, it's like, it could be, but it doesn't look super serious. He's missed a few games, but he basically looks like he's going to be able to build back to some semblance of his former self, and he's going to be around for the length of this contract. And so it makes sense that the guy who's going to be here forever is, okay, you're the leader. That ain't going nowhere. I put it in my column, and obviously he has to stay healthy for this, but there's an off chance if he plays the rest of his contract, he could end up being the Flyers' all-time games played player in their history. That's real. He could pass Bob Clark. It's, uh, I think Dr. Evil Gritty said that to us a couple weeks ago. It was if he plays every game through his contract, which difficult, uh, he'll beat Bobby by like a hundred. Yeah. And that's, that's a ton. It's a lot. Like, that's, yeah. that's absolutely insane. All right. That is all the time we have for you on PHLY Flyers presented by Mortgage CS. Check out mortgagecs.com slash PHLY to start your home buying process today. Company NMLS ID number 1464766. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. Make sure you're following us right here on YouTube. Set your reminders so you never miss a live show. We're at PHLY underscore Flyers on Twitter. PHLY Flyers wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, Yeah, that's it. I'm Bill Matz for Charlie O'Connor for JP Zapata. Have a great Friday, Philly. We all silly like the mayor. 